What's up, party people? Welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson, and you can find me at that name on Twitter, and also under Romancing Nancy on Twitter, if you're into that, and also on AO3 as Indy Nickerson, which is what I've been posting under forever. Today's episode is going to be about smile and say murder, because, of course, when one thinks of photography, one thinks of murder. Um... (laughs) This is a fun one. Actually, this one drives me completely bonkers. There's a few different reasons. The first reason is this is the book that establishes that the Hardy Boys are actually fictional within the Nancy Drew Falls universe, which I think is hilarious because that means that the Nancy Drew Hardy Boys super mysteries kind of exists in this weird pocket universe where that didn't happen. Um, There's a conversation that Nancy's having with the main suspect in this book. And they're discussing different mystery novels that they enjoy. And he's like, oh, I've loved mysteries since I was reading The Hardy Boys when I was in middle school. And Nancy's like, that's cool. I'm reading Raymond Chandler right now. And I'm like, yes, please throw all the shade that you possibly can. Um, I love Raymond Chandler. So I was like, yes. But of course, they mentioned like Agatha Christie. She's the other big one. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, they don't bring up Earl Stanley Gardner, which I think is hilarious because uh, Perry Mason is almost a contemporary of Nancy Drew, if we're going back to the original, but anyway. Um, so that's a bonus. That means that Frank Hardy can never pop up in this universe unless there's some sort of weird supernatural shenanigans. The other reason that I, this book absolutely drives me nuts is there's a few different categories that we can drop Nancy Drew files into. The first one is that Ned gets a mention but is never an actual character within the book. Ned's an actual character in this book. The other one is that if Ned appears in the book, then we can either have happy Nancy Ned, which is what we had in the previous book, which, um, murder on ice. Yeah. They were happy. They were a happy couple. There was a lot of cute bonding moments. Like this is like peak for me. Like we're going to hit one whitewater terror that is like, yes if we're talking about like the nancy ned content like fuck yes there's there are other ones but yeah so yeah murder on ice yes that's that's some good nancy ned shit um this one though falls into the ned's a character but he's super jealous and possessive and weird except for he's not in this one and nancy's acting like a fucking 12 year old which i don't love Plot-wise, it doesn't serve any purpose whatsoever for her to be having this weird fight with Ned. If you want to look at it from the perspective of she's a human being who behaves in flawed ways, then yeah, like I'll completely buy it for that reason. Nancy's pulled into this case because somebody has contacted her from Flash Magazine, which I imagine with jazz hands, um, or like Teen Vogue, like a lot of really hyper colors and a lot of fun photography and a lot of like baby sex tips, but... Anyway, um, so she's contacted by Yvonne Verdi, who is the co-owner of Flash Magazine. (laughs) The first time it's mentioned, it's in all caps with an exclamation point. You're like, Flash! Like, it's just so incredibly. It's at once generic and, like, we're trying really hard to to make Fetch happen. And Fetch is just simply not going to happen. Um, Yvonne owns the magazine along with her weird art buddy mick who this is not fuck goblin i mean you know how much i hate fuck goblin this is not him this is an an earlier incarnation of mick which 
Nancy doesn't have a thing going with, which is good. I mean, this is one of the rare cases where Ned is the one who has a, a thing going with a person who is not actually a suspect, but uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but I read an interview with one of the ghostwriters who was like, I just didn't know what to do with Ned. So actually in that book, she puts him in a coma. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to that book because I fucking love that book. Even though Ned's in a coma, like, there's a lot of really good hurt comfort angst going on in that one. This is not that. And this is, like, I just maybe wanted to work out some aggression. I don't know. I haven't read anything specific that any ghostwriter has written about this specific volume. I just know that there's a lot of weird behavior. Okay. So Yvonne has called Nancy in because she's receiving threatening messages. And so on the way there, Nancy's flipping through the magazine and she's like, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that best loves. Like, I'm not super into it, but they seem pretty cool. Like, it's really interesting to see the shift to like social justice awareness, which is like in its infancy at this point, if we're going to be going about what Nancy's looking into. I mean, for this case, she's looking into basically death threats that are being issued at a teen magazine in Chicago. So we're not talking about she's serving somebody underprivileged. She's, you know, on the lookout for a person against this big bad corporation, which again would have been like a really popular 80s theme. Like, no, this is just somebody's contacted her. They're in trouble. She's here to help. That's basically it. So she's actually taking the train in. She's not taking her sweet ass Mustang up to Chicago, which I was like, really? Because in other cases, she's 100% okay with taking the Mustang to Chicago. But in this case, she's like, but I mean, it's murder to find parking in Chicago. And I'm like, sure. I mean, that's probably true, IDK. But anyway, so she's taking the train, which doesn't really serve any plot points either. It's fine. Maybe the author was just a train enthusiast. So she is flipping through the magazine. She's like, yeah, this this is probably going to be fine. I'll just meet with her. It shouldn't be too bad. So she meets with Yvonne. Okay, for the files, Nancy is 18. So she meets with Yvonne, and she pegs Yvonne as being, like, 27. So, like, not even 10 years older than her, and already the co-editor, co-owner of a really popular teen magazine. And this is, she's actually, Yvonne is said to have gotten her degree in creative writing, and then she just fucked around and wrote a few novels, and now she's owning this popular magazine, and you're like, Yes, thank you for just completely blowing everything out of the water. Yvonne is also really super condescending when she meets with Nancy. She's like, yeah, so I've got these threatening letters, and, and let me show them to you. And Nancy's like, well, I mean, I can see this. I love this. I can see from the perforation at the edge of these pages that it was printed on an actual printer. And you're like, that means it was dot matrix. I'm dying. Um, because Nancy walks into the flash office and she's like, which by the way, on the way up, she heard somebody saying and like getting off the elevator. Yvonne is really like super bitchy. And Nancy's like, so people do not enjoy her. Okay. That is good to know. So she gets up there and walks in and sees like, you really want to see Devil Wears Prada? Like, you want her to walk in and be, because it's like, it's a fashion teen baby sex tips magazine. But that's not what she, it's like, we have a cream colored hallway and a blue colored hallway, and you pick one of those. It's a choose your own adventure into dullness. It's fine. Like, a. I would have died for there to be like, and then they had racks of like Balenciaga and it was just fantastic. And that is not the kind of place that this is because that's not what we're here for. And that's fine. Like, 
I can enjoy the Devil Wears Prada for itself. Um, so Nancy walks in and sees that they have some fancy computers, which again, we're talking 1987. So they're probably like fucking Apple two E's where somebody's just playing some Oregon trail. Um, the receptionist is named Scott and he is playing clone wars. <laughs> this is well before, um, star Wars prequels came out with those kinds of names. So he's playing that, which I think is supposed to be like alien invaders or whatever. And he's like, Hey, and Nancy's like, Hey, Yvonne. And he's like, just down the hall, the meanest clone of them all. And Nancy's like, cool. So everyone here hates her. That's, that's good to know. So again, Yvonne is like super condescending with her. She's got dark hair, dark eyes, which again, like this is literary code for it. She's probably the villain. Like that's how we roll here. Um, she tells Nancy that she wants her to pose it as an intern so that she can find out who's sending the threatening letters. Although she knows who it is. And Nancy's like, oh, you, you know who it is? Why haven't you like, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just spitballing here. Why haven't you called the cops? Because again, Nancy's called in for no compensation. Like this is not like Nancy saying, well, I really don't want to turn down this job because maybe a silver loving cup is in my future, but maybe the police, like I'm just saying, because she reads over them and it's like, I'm, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to kill you. And one of them has like the lyrics from a, a pop song. And Nancy's like, oh, that's catchy. The other one is like Photoshopped, pre-Photoshop, because Photoshop would not have existed at this point. And so I'm like, just some really good creepypasta happening. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Nancy's looking at this and she's like, okay, if you know who's sending them, why not call the cops? And Yvonne's like, because it's my co-owner and I don't want him to get in trouble. And I just, you know, it'd be bad publicity for the magazine. So I just want you to find the evidence that he's doing this so that I can just like quietly get rid of him because he does not want me to sell the magazine to News Corp. And I was like, News Corp, News Corp. So we're talking like the people who own Fox, like <laughs> that's basically what you're supposed to get out of this. Like it's, uh, yeah, like a giant media conglomeration is looking into buying their magazine. And you're like, I mean, seems legit, honestly, it's fine. Um, so Yvonne says she doesn't want to sell, but Mick, the co-owner, has decided that she probably does want to sell. And so he's threatening her to get her to not sell. Like, honestly, I'm going to just spoiler alert you on this. Yvonne's the person doing this. She is faking this. She's like, the problem here, though, is that like, I cannot actually figure out why. I think that Yvonne does want to sell and she's going to use the threatening letters as an excuse to sell. Like, oh, the pressure was too much. And she also like doesn't want Mick involved in the sale, I guess, because she wants all the money from it. I mean, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like there's several clues in here that like Nancy's over her head because she's like, oh, well, I'm, I've taken down armed robbers and also the Russians, like all of them, just the entire country. I've just taken it all down. So I got this. Sure. So Mick, not fuck goblin. <laughs> I want to put an asterisk on it every single time. His name is, his last name is Swanson for this one. As though he's heir to the Swanson frozen food fortune. Um, so Mick Swanson is the photographer for the magazine and he's actually really good. Like Nancy's actually impressed by his, how he does it. So Yvonne has decided that Nancy will be Mick's assistant and 
she's like, I'm sure that she can just fake this. And Nancy's like, I mean, I've taken a photography class, which, as you know, by every other episode in this complete series, if Nancy says that she's taken a class in something, then she's like pretty much a fucking expert at it. So Yvonne calls Mick in and she's like, hey, baby, um, I've hired you an assistant. And Mick's like, I don't need what? If I need an assistant, I will hire an assistant, which makes some sense. If he's a photographer, then he wants to see their work and see if they're actually good enough to assist him. Else they would be like me, complete garbage at photography. Um, but so he picks up a paperweight on Yvonne's desk and like smashes it down onto the desk. And he's like, you're going to pay. And Nancy's like, I'm loving all the evidence that you're just handing me. Like, can I please get out a tiny camera just to record this shit? Because you're the one. Like, Yvonne has already been like, he's the one. He's he's sending me these threatening letters. I just want you to get evidence. And Nancy's like, cool. Okay, okay. This I'll get this knocked out in a day. She goes with Mick back to the studio. Um, so Mick, of course, is super pissed at her. There's a girl in there who gives Nancy the complete cold shoulder who is hanging up rubber spiders. Like, as one does, you just go into photography studios and you're like, you know what this place needs? A touch of Adam's family. So the whole reason they're doing this is because the lead singer of the band, please wait for it, Spiders of Power. Spiders of Power. The lead singer from that band is going to come by and be photographed to go along with an interview that they're doing for her. Or um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so that's why they're hanging up pla- fake rubber spiders because that's a thing that human beings would do so Mick walks in and he's like oh my god spiders I fucking hate spiders and Nancy's like legit I mean it's fine as phobias go a completely acceptable one the girl who's hanging up spiders is Sandra who is Mick's sister and is also kind of functioning as his assistant as well and she's like very slender and wayfish and very much the girl who's going to faint at the sign of anything um Nancy also talks to another intern named Leslie, who is the first black person that I remember being referenced in this entire series thus far as a speaking character, who Nancy's like, hey, you know, can you give me the skinny around here? And Leslie's like, yes, we are interns and they work us to death. Like, we don't get enough money for this shit. As a side note, I mean, we're talking, this is 1986. Um, This is still very firmly going to function in interns are not being paid for their labor like you clearly have some sort of connections to be here there's some reason that you're here um scott's an intern pretty much all of them are interns there's an editor who was not an intern but that's pretty much it um so leslie's like mick likes to play practical jokes sandra is his sister and sandra knows who's on the list to be an intern here and she knows that your name is not on it so she feels a little bit suspicious of you i'm just gonna throw that out here And Nancy's like, who did you say was the editor here? And Leslie's like, his name is David Bauer, and he's here from the Midwestern Law Review. And Nancy's like, huh. Because Nancy, of course, because her father's a lawyer, is familiar with the Midwestern Law Review. And it's weird because, like, it says that News Corp owns the Midwest Law Review. And I'm like, I thought that law reviews were published by universities. I mean, it's probably, I mean... I don't, I don't fucking know. I haven't looked this up. I mean, like, Yale Law Review, I thought was, who knows? Who the fuck knows? And you're like, Yale does. Yale does, honey. Um, but anyway, so Nancy actually, like, glances him in the hallway, and she's like, I know that bitch. I know him. He used to work there. I mean, he was a condescending asshole, but, I mean, he's a lawyer. It's, it's what they do. It's how they roll. It's fine. 
So Nancy gets her break and she calls Ned and she's like, hey, baby. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing you this week. And we're going to go to Fox Lake with my parents. And side note, I'm like, Ned, for God's sake, don't don't go with your parents. Cock blocking. Come on. Come on. You, your parents have a cabin on the lake. Just just go without them. But anyway, so, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Chaperones, it's fine. Um, Ned's like, we're going to the lake this weekend, which, side note, I love the Fox Lake house. I've, I've set many a story there, and it's been referenced in other books. It's, according to the other book that it's mostly mentioned in, it's maybe like an hour away from River Heights, so it's not like, we're going to get on a plane and go to the Alps. But, you know, it's, I guess, far enough away that it actually feels like it's a vacation But anyway, he's like, we're going to go this weekend and it's spring break. And you're like, sure. And at the beginning of the book, Nancy says, like, they're in a good place in the relationship, which they should be. They've been hot tubbing it after the last book. It's fine. There is absolutely no mention of that leg injury. It's fine. (laughs) There is, however, mention of the boyfriends that they picked up in previous books. Remember how Bess was flirting with that German guy in the previous book? He is gone. He is dead to us forever. And she's like... Alan is my true love, and he is on tour right now, and IDK, and George is also going to meet with John over the weekend, which I'm like, he's going to take a pause from his busy schedule of ski instructor at the hostel, and come see her and check out, I mean, sure, uh, I guess, maybe he's no longer a ski, I, I don't fucking know, nor do they, nor do they care, it's fine, Nancy's supposed to go off with Ned, he's pissed that she won't, like, <sighs> It's really super fucking easy to gender swap Nancy and Ned because Nancy in the context of these books plays a more masculine role. Like she's definitely more take charge, more identified with taking taking a very masculine sphere approach to everything. And Ned's more feminine in that he is more concerned with domestic responsibilities and the relationship. So Whenever Nancy's like, oh, well, I mean, it'll be fine. She's she's far more career-oriented. And that's like, I thought we were going to do this romantic thing. Like, if we're talking love languages, Nancy's like, very hands-on. And Ned's very like, but can we make out some? So he's disappointed. And he, he wants Nancy to not take this case. He's like, can't if it's death threats, then cops. And Nancy's like, I know, right? But she really needs me. And this guy's clearly unhinged. And yeah. Um, because at this point in the book, actually, um, after the photography session with the rubber spiders, Mick told Nancy to take all the spiders down and shove them into the back of the supply closet. And so she goes back there and the, she looks up and sees a severed head and she's in a prop closet. So she's like, surely there is not a severed head up here. And then she sees an axe next to it, which is suspended. And I'm like, by what? Um, fishing line? It never really explains how the fuck this happens. But anyway, he's got some sort of remote control device that once she gets back there, he hits the button and it falls down toward her head. Because of course it does. And we've got a lot of chapters that we need to cliffhang on. So Nancy's like, what the fuck? This really could have hurt me because it's not a real axe, of course. It is a prop axe, but it is. And again, I'm like, are y'all doing a lot of Adam's family photo shoots? Because I might want to work here. The rubber... The axe part itself is rubber, but the handle is wood. Nancy's like, this could have knocked me the fuck out. And so Ned's like, I'm I'm not loving anything that you're saying here. You've got a bunch of just whack jobs who are walking around trying to murder you and or each other. And you're like, this is fine, though. You would rather do this than go to Fox Lake. And Nancy's like, 
it's fine, but I think I need your help. And I'm going to see if maybe they can hire you as an intern as well so that we can figure out what's going on here. Because she's like, she's got no allies there. Not really, because Yvonne is pretty much a bitch. There's one point where Nancy's like, oh, well, this means blah, blah. And Yvonne's like, you would think that, but you would be wrong. And Nancy's like, can can you not jump down my throat? Like, I'm, I'm here to do you a favor. Oh, okay, cool. And also, Nancy spots the fact that Yvonne's got mystery novels in her office. She goes to Mick's office and sees that he has mystery novels. That's when they discuss the Hardy Boys, etc. Um, so it's just an office full of people who like to read mystery novels. <laughs> Which, again, other than all of the really terrible practical jokes, not so bad. Anyway, so Nancy goes to Yvonne and she's like, hey, can you hire Ned Nickerson? I mean, just to do me a favor. And Yvonne's like, sure, it's fine. So the next morning, Nancy and Ned come to work, but they can't come in together because Nancy's like, we need to act like we're not together because it would be bad if they thought that we were together. Because again, Sandra already suspects Nancy of something. She's not quite sure what. So... Um, that day, please understand that like every hour some shit happens. Like this is a fairly fast paced book. There's parts of it that it goes slow, but we don't care because we've skipped those between chapters. Um, Nancy hears a scream and Yvonne is at her desk and she's looking into her desk drawer and they go over and there's a fucking tarantula and Nancy's like, oh, uh, it's a tarantula. Okay. So she like picks up a coffee cup and tries to urge the tarantula into it so that they can release it back into some sort of safe environment. She's like... Most tarantulas aren't poisonous. It's just, like, kind of scary for you. And Yvonne's like, no. And then she fucking smashes the tarantula with something on her desk. And Nancy's like, that was unnecessary. I'm just saying, like... And so everybody in the office comes in there. And um, I think it's Sandra, actually, who looks over at Mick. And she's like, why would you do this? This is a terrible practical joke. Like, that might have scared her to death. And Mick's like, I fucking hate spiders. Why the fuck would I leave a spider on somebody's desk? Like no ew and you're like same like no I would not fucking leave a tarantula in somebody's desk like son of a bitch but anyway so everybody's convinced that Mick's the one who's doing all these terrible practical jokes and there's a point in the book where Nancy walks into Mick's office and she sees that the floor is like very highly polished for workman's comp reasons and she falls she turns around and falls on her ass (laughs) And it doesn't seem to be feigned, but she takes advantage of it, too. She's like, oh, some ice from my ankle, which I have twisted. And Mick's like, okay, I'll be right back. And Nancy takes a, a chance to, like, look around his office because she's found a button in Yvonne's office. Hilariously, like, after the tarantula incident, Yvonne's like, I'm going to work from home for the rest of the day. Bye. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. So she looks and Mick is, Mick is missing a button off of his suit she found the button in Yvonne's office. Um, Mick has a book on his desk that says Deadly Poison, Deadly Bite. And Nancy's like, oh, he's reading a book about poisons. He leaves a tarantula on her desk. Like, if there were a neon sign above his head that were just flashing, he's the guy. Like, we could not be more clear about this. In the meantime... um. Yvonne is like yelling at Mick over something and Sandra has some sort of fucking breakdown and Ned's like they're there and like strokes her hair and Nancy's like I want to set you on fucking fire right now because Nancy cannot fucking handle this I'm gonna point out again 
Ned invited her to go on a romantic getaway with his parents. I mean, there is that, but there's also the fact that y'all can sneak between rooms at night. Like, let's just be real here. Y'all are 18. Y'all can get it on if you want to. And Nancy's like, no, come help me with the case. And so Ned, again, is not supposed to act like he's dating Nancy. And so whenever Sandra's like, oh, no, like Ned is like, they're there. And Nancy's like, I'm going to, I could not make it more obvious that I'm dating you. And I'm so pissed right now. So from that point on in this book, after Ned's like, Sandra, it's okay. Like Nancy's like, you are fucking dead to me. Like she gets like ridiculously mad and I'm going to be honest with you if at the beginning of this book when Ned invited her to go to Fox Lake if there had been just this single sentence I don't think I can tell him that my period's late like I would completely understand how fucking emotional she gets for the rest of this book like I would have bought that like I also would have died of happiness with the thought of her carrying his love child but like she is not acting rational about this whatsoever not at all just off the charts ridiculous about this the next thing that happens after like ned tries to talk to her and nancy's like no like just fuck off she talks to best and jordan she's like i cannot believe that he was comforting sandra and they're like that that fucking bastard and the thing that I love about Bess and George is that they are so supportive of Nancy. And at any time, they are willing to turn on Ned completely and be like, if he cannot work with you on this, then he does not deserve you and blah, blah, blah. But generally, they're pretty big fans of a relationship. But so while I love the support that they are giving her, I also wish that they would be like, you're also being kind of unhinged. We're just going to point that out. Like, you told him to pretend y'all weren't dating. And then you're like, but you need to keep dating me, like, make up your fucking mind. The next thing that happens after all that is Yvonne's in her office, um, they hear gunshots, and they run in there, and Yvonne's, like, standing at her desk, and she's like, someone just shot at me, and then she faints, and Nancy looks up, and she sees a bullet hole, like, actually pretty high in the room, like, angled toward the ceiling, and she's like, weird, like, because Yvonne says, somebody in a mask came to my doorway and, and shot at me and then they ran. And so Nancy runs into the like emergency stairwell because she's like, this is the only place they could have gone. And there's no one there. Fishy. Um, Yvonne's heart is racing when Nancy goes over to take her pulse to try to revive her. And she's like, that's weird. Like, I would not expect a strong, steady heartbeat from somebody who has just passed out. Strange. So, of course, Yvonne's like, Mick's behind this. Mick must have done this. So Mick, like, saunters in at this point, and he's like, hey, what's up, party people? And they're like, somebody just shot at Yvonne. Also, a side note, if they accept everything that she says at face value, which they appear to, like, why would you not, first off, like, I don't know, close off the building, go into lockdown, like, all sorts of things but everybody's like super low-key about it they're like if anyone was going to get shot in the fucking face at this workplace it was going to be Yvonne and hmm I mean did she deserve this probably yes um Yvonne is dating David who is the former law review guy I don't know Nancy just does not care for him whatsoever she goes and searches his office and she's like I see a pay stub from News Corp and you're like cool how how old is it and she's like i 
it's, it's recent. And there's a note attached that says, thank you for the work you've done, but I don't know what it is. Could it be freelancing? I just don't know. Because she's just curious. She's like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. Um, on the first day that she's working with them, she's developing stuff in the darkroom, and which she's like, I've had experience with photography. Like, she actually shows off whenever he's like, I bet you don't know a camera from a hole in the ground. And Nancy's like, this is a good camera for this type of shot. And I see that you've got a long lens over here for this type of shot. So there, bitch. And he's like, okay, you win this round. <laughs> But anyway, he leaves a note for her for the darkroom, like, I want you to do this with this and this with this, which I was like, if he hasn't developed the film yet, I'm going to call bullshit on that. But anyway, it's fine. Um, but at the end of it, he says, like, be careful not to breathe in the chemicals. If you feel lightheaded, like, take a break. And, like, none of it is grammatically correct. He's making every single possible fucking mistake he can with it. And Nancy's like, he's sweet, but also dumb. <laughs> So when Mick comes in after Yvonne's attempted murder, he's like, oh, I've been out taking pictures. And Nancy's like, the worst possible alibi. Cool, cool, cool. Let me just check your office for reasons. So he goes back to his office. Nancy follows him and sees him looking in his bottom desk drawer and like with his mouth agape. And he pulls out a gun and Nancy's like, no, and like runs over there and socks him in the fucking stomach because she's like, don't do it. Don't do it. At this point, of course, three Irish cops have shown up. Please imagine me clutching my head in dismay. Um, one of them is legit named O'Hara and is refrigerator shaped, um, says the book. We can't get away from this. Um, so the three Irish cops have shown up and they hear the commotion. They come in and they actually arrest Nancy for attempted murder because they find her holding the gun. They arrest Mick for attempted murder for trying to shoot Yvonne and of course, Sandra's sobbing uncontrollably, and Ned's like, they're there, and Nancy's like, you know, it's humiliating to be led away in handcuffs, but it's even worse to see my boyfriend comforting that whore. <laughs> Nancy's priorities are a little bit out of whack in this one. Um, so, of course, Nancy has an instant lawyer in Carson Drew, so she calls him. That's her, for her only phone call from the precinct, and he's like, I'll be right down. Clearly, this happens all the time. Like, Nancy's led away in handcuffs. No. Actually, the book makes a point to say that she has not ever done a perp walk before, and she is humiliated by it. She's like, man, I feel for the people that I've had arrested. And you're like, you're making, you're making some progress, girl. You're making some progress. Um, so, yeah. Nancy's cover is blown because Brenda Carlton, who you will remember from the first book in this series as that bitch who thinks that she's got some shit, like she's the one whose father owns the newspaper, which memories. Um, so Brenda fucks everything up for Nancy whenever she's in the book, like Nancy's undercover and Brenda blows it. And that's what she does in this one. She's like, oh, Nancy Drew, teen detective. And Sandra's like, oh my God, I knew you were a spy all along. And she doesn't blow Ned's cover. So Ned can still stay undercover. But um, so yeah, Brenda will blow Nancy's cover. She will blunder into things at the psychological moment and fuck everything up. So She's the one who walks in and she's like, oh, Nancy Drew, teen detective arrested for murder. And everyone's like, <gasps> they gasp. So, yeah. So Nancy goes down to the precinct house. What I find hilarious is that Nancy actually talks to the cops. Like, they're like, what happened? What, what were you doing? And Nancy's like, let me tell you. And I'm like, rule number one, and you should know this. Your father should have taught you this as soon as you were able to talk. You don't talk to the cops. You never talk to the cops. Ever. 
even if you are completely blameless in all this. Um, so Nancy, of course, gets out because I got nothing. Like, she was like, I was wrestling the gun away from him. I, you know, I've been working to find out he's been sending death threats, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, okay. And then Carson shows up and he's like, clearly, you know, it's fine. So actually, there's a fun thing that happens on the way out when um, they're like, we got to put cuffs on you for attempted murder. And that's like, well, Nancy didn't kill him. So maybe take the cuffs off. And also Yvonne's not dead. So like maybe take the cuff. Anyway, it, it's a sweet thing. And, and Sandra's like, you're the best. And Nancy's like, I want you to die in a fire. Like she's so fucking mad at him. Like she, she cannot even function. She's so mad at him. Even though again, like he's, and Bess and George point this out to her, they're like, he's actually like displaying all the qualities that attracted you to him in the first place. It's just that you are also just being a total bitch to him right now. Like maybe take a little bit of ownership about that. And Nancy's like, I don't want to hear that right now. I just want to eat a lot of ice cream. And you're like, also valid. So Nancy's cover is blown. She can't work there anymore. Like no one's going to trust her. No one's going to tell her anything, but Ned's still there. So she's like, well, you know, I'll just, maybe he will find out what's going on because Nancy's, it's like the preponderance of evidence is it's too much. It's just fucking too much. So like finding the button, finding the gun, because Mick's like, that's not my gun. I don't play with guns. That's not a thing that I'm into. Like, fuck. And Nancy's like, okay, let's, if you take everything out of it, if you look at, he can't spell, but the threatening notes were spelled correctly. If you look at, like, it just doesn't jibe. So she actually goes into the office that Saturday, breaks in. Like, she's like, wow, security around here is total shit. (laughs) Which, again, like, if somebody's sending you death threats, like, maybe look at bulking up your security, even though, I guess, Yvonne would say, but he's got a key. What good would that do? Um, She also knows in the book that Yvonne worked late on Thursday night, and she's like, good to know. And you're like, that's a Chekhov's gun. But, um, so Nancy goes and develops the pictures that Mick took, because she's like, maybe there will be somebody on here that can alibi him for the time that Yvonne was almost shot, like, just to get him out of that. So she finds a picture of a newsstand with that day's date on it. And she looks at the shadows and she's like, okay, based on the shadows and the date on this, I can go see if this is, this would be right. And it is. She takes it to the precinct. They release Mick. He's of course, eternally grateful to her for getting her, getting his name cleared from trying to shoot Yvonne, which of course leaves him with then who did it. Also, um, I can't really imagine the cops accepting, here's the picture that was taken that day. And, you know, it's fine. Whatever. It's it's Chinatown. It's Chinatown, Jake. Um, the next scene opens up like a week later and Nancy is going to the Maggie Awards, which I don't think is a real thing. I mean, it probably is, but probably not for this. It's the Maggie for the magazine awards. And you're like, of course it is, honey. Of course it is. Um, so she's riding with Mick who was wearing, because he's all, he's an art director, and this is how he rolls, he's wearing black leather tails with his formal wear. Nancy is wearing a completely gold ensemble as though Bob Mackey, my favorite, my favorite Barbie doll designer, is here to just glam some shit up, like just go full drag, where she's wearing a gold dress with split sleeves, which I guess is like the first version of Cold Shoulder. Um, 
She's wearing gold jewelry, gold sandals. Like, she's just pimping it out. She's She is ready for this shit. And she knows that Ned's going to be there with Sandra. And she wants him to just eat his own heart out. She's like, I'm here to show you what you are missing. And you're like, but she won't take his fucking phone calls. Like, Nancy, get a hold on yourself. And the fun thing is that while she's there as mixed state, like, there's nothing... Like, there's no attraction between the two of them. Like, Mick's just super grateful to her for saving his bacon from going to prison. That's it. Like, which is refreshing, honestly, for one of these books. For Nancy to not be like, but we could bang, though. Um, So they walk in. She sees Ned, and she's like, he looks so fucking good. Damn it. Damn it, he looks so good. And he's like, hey, Nancy, we need to talk. And Nancy's like yeah bye and like everyone's like wow could could he not be 12 years old that's fine and Sandra actually looks at Nancy and she's like look I understand that he's your boyfriend and yes I was attracted to him because he is a damn good guy but like it's not like that and this is actually a conversation that I think that she has with them like slightly past this but anyway yeah it happens slightly past this, but Sandra sees like the definite tension between the two of them and is like, please get over this. This is ridiculous. But anyway, of course, Flash, Flash magazine wins the best magazine award. And so Yvonne and Mick go up to the stage to accept it, which again, awkward sauce because she was like almost killed and blamed him for it. And we still don't know who was behind this quote unquote. And they go up to accept the award and a big old piece of the lighting just falls down on stage and crashes into Mick and just like breaks his fucking leg and cool. So the next chapter actually opens up with Mick in the hospital and Nancy's like, Hey, I brought you a remote control dune buggy. Do you remember anything about like, do you know who, what kind of enemies you have? Like anything, any clues you can give me? Because I think that while Yvonne could say that that light was meant to hit her. Like, it, I think it kind of makes more sense for me to focus on who's trying to get rid of you. And makes like, I don't really have any enemies. I mean, Yvonne is looking at selling the magazine. And Nancy's like, Yvonne said she didn't want to sell the magazine. And makes like, no, she wants to sell. Like, I told her that she's not going to get as much as she wants for it. But, like, this has never been her thing. She's into creative writing. Like, she's written mystery novels. And Nancy's like, she's written mystery... She has, really. And he's like, yeah, the Ivan Green novels that I've got, like, the Deadly Poison Deadly Bite book that's in my office. Like, she gave that to me. She wrote that. And Nancy's like, of course, because green is what Verdi means. Oh, okay. Okay. It was just staring me right in the face the whole time. And Mick's like, yeah, that's like what she likes to do. That's what she'd rather be doing anyway. Like, this is not her thing. So I'm just saying. He's like, I'm not interested in selling. And I would happily like take over her shares. But she really wants to sell to News Corp. So. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. That, that makes some sense. So she thinks about it. And she's like, okay, I need. I think Yvonne's someone who's behind all this. Like, finally, she. It makes sense that the bullet would be so high in the ceiling because Yvonne was maybe, you know, the bullet was never supposed to hit Yvonne. Like, so that would be why it went completely off because Nancy was like, if somebody was standing in a fucking doorway, like they missed by a fucking mile. Like that just doesn't make sense. So she calls Ned and Ned's like, oh my God, I'm so happy to hear from you. And Nancy's like, shut up. I need you to meet me at the flash office. (laughs) 
And Ned's like, but I'm, and Nisa's like, no. There's also, you know, to cut things off at the very climax of the book, um, there's also a part where Nancy, Bess, and George go out to lunch, and Nancy and George eat real food. They eat lasagna on a Monday, and I was like, somebody was super into Garfield. Um, but Bess has a salad, and she's like, man, I wish, I just need to lose like five more pounds. And you're like, hello, disordered eating. Hi. Please just just don't. And actually, George is like, look, you know, you don't need to lose any weight. You are lazy. But I mean, hey, you're that's okay. And you're like, thank you for trying to redeem yourself after like legit. At this point, it would have been like 50 years of bullying Bess about her weight and her lack of doing any sort of exercise whatsoever. So good job there. Good job. Um, Anyway, so Nancy calls Ned, tells him to meet her at the office. They go in, and Sandra's there. And Sandra's, that's when Sandra's clearing the air. She's like, look, Ned's a good guy. He clearly loves you. You clearly love him, or you wouldn't be this mad. Like, just fucking get over it, and let's let's go catch this bitch. So, Nancy has come up with a plan. Um, she went to Woolworths. I can't believe I just said that. Um, she went to Woolworths. She like legit took a taxi to Woolworths, picked up a water pistol that is the most realistic water pistol she's ever seen. And you're like, yeah, yeah, realistic play pistols are very definitely white privilege. Um, so she takes it and hands it to Ned, who thinks it's real, and it's like, Nancy, what the fuck? We we don't play with guns. Like that is not a thing we do. And Nancy's like, I'm glad that you think it's real because this is you know your backup. So. I want you and Sandra to wait in the dark room, you know, where all the developing equipment is. And I'm going to go into Yvonne's office. I've got a little tape recorder. You guys are going to be my insurance. And if I don't report back within like 15 minutes or whatever, then please come in. Be the cavalry. And that's like, I hate every part of this plan. <laughs> but okay. And Nancy's like, that's right. And they have, like, a moment where Ned's like, you know, after this, like, we really do need to get away and, and, you know, I hope things are okay. And Nancy's like, I'm so sorry. And there is a moment in this book where she's like, I mean, the Daryl Gray thing. And you're like, I'm glad that you remember that you were just a total dick in that book as well. Like, just making a lot of bad choices. Um, But she's like, but I thought we were past that. And you're like, you were past that, honey. The ghostwriter for this book just completely fucking forgot about the previous book. Which kind of makes sense, though, honestly, depending on the kind of schedule they had. Like, maybe it didn't exist at that point. I don't know. Anyway, Nancy goes into Yvonne's office, and she's like, good news. I found out who's been sending you these threatening letters. And Yvonne's like, really? Who is it? And Nancy's like, I mean, I think it's this person who goes by Ivan Green. Funny story. And Yvonne, like, immediately takes a gun out of her desk. <laughs> and you're like... Yes, I love I love that you're like, I've been waiting for this day. Also, did the cops not find it when they did their terrible search of your office? Like, again, what I find fascinating about these books is, of course, like, Nancy is called in because the cops can't be called in for whatever reason. And there's not a lot of justification behind that for this book, other than maybe Yvonne doesn't have high confidence that she can pull off faking this with the cops. Like, that kind of makes some sense also that she's just trying to drive up the price of the magazine and or, and or give herself an excuse for getting rid of it. Anyway, so Nancy confronts her with the evidence. She's got the tape rolling. Yvonne's like, yeah, like, 
how did you know that, you know, how did I fuck up? And Nancy's like, well, there were a few things like the, the threatening letters that you showed me were actually spelled correctly. And Mick is terrible at spelling and the spider thing. And the, I don't understand why the shot was so high. And Yvonne's like, well, I came in on Thursday night and put the book in the wall. And then when it was time for me to fake the shooting, like I just shot out the window and I was like, Oh, you shot out the window in Chicago. Wow. I got some follow-up questions. It's fine. Um, so Nancy's is like, oh, okay. And she tries to keep Yvonne talking. But Yvonne is refreshingly one of the few villains who was like, I got shit to do and I need you to get out of here. I guess because she's trying not to put bullet wounds in Nancy's body, she tells Nancy, oh, by the way, um, the dark room was left open, so I locked it from the outside. And Nancy's like, so no one's coming for me. Okay, that's that's good to know. Good good that I'm not going to be planning on that. So Yvonne orders Nancy across the hall, gets the tape out of her bag, like turns off the tape recorder, takes the tape out, and she's like, nice, nice, I, I like it. Well, it's going to burn with you. And Nancy's like... Oh, okay. So she goes, Nancy goes in there. Ned and Sandra are in there. And Yvonne has Nancy tie up Ned and Sandra. And then she ties up Nancy. And she's like, oh, dark rooms are such hazardous places. And just piles up a bunch of flammable shit. Takes out a match. And she's like, it would be a shame if someone burned down the dark room. Oh, such irresponsible teenagers. And <laughs> So she sets fire to the chemicals and the leaves the room, like locks the door, leaves the room. And of course, immediately, like the place goes up. So Nancy's like, Ned says, oh my God, I, if I were Houdini, I could get out of this. And Nancy's like, Houdini, Houdini, how can we get out of this? Because the ropes are tied pretty securely. And she's like, he used to untie knots with his teeth. I'll I'll just chew the ropes apart. And you're like, I love your optimism. Like, that's adorable. Uh, also, why did Yvonne have rope just hanging around in case she needed to tie up, tie up some teenagers? Um, <laughs> as you do. Also, she confirms to Nancy that she just had David there to help broker the deal, if he was ever going to help broker the deal. But she's like, he didn't know anything about this shit, so whatever. Um, so Nancy chews the ropes off. Um, she gets Sandra's hands freed and then all their hands are freed and then Sandra faints dead on the floor and Nancy's like cool cool how are we gonna get out of here and that's like I we can't teleport like this is this is a real bad situation and so Nancy snatches up the tape that's got the confession on it and it ha so happens that the fire goes all the way over to the wall where it burns a hole in it and Nancy's like hey uh, they also have a sink in there because it's a dark room but of course you know you don't they're not able to put the fire completely out. So they get enough of a hole through the fire damaged wall so that Nan Ned can take Sandra through. And so Ned gives her a kiss before he leaves and you're like, yes, yes, get back together. And then Nancy gets through. She's got the tape. They call the fire department and Yvonne's taken into custody. The book ends. The entire last chapter is set at Fox Lake and you're like, yes. So Nancy and Ned are there they're sunbathing on the beach at the lake and there's one point where like they're making out and it's like i just just let's make sure my parents aren't watching because that would be super embarrassing and nancy's like it's fine they know that we're dating it's fine and that's like that's true so they keep making out and talking about the case and like yes yvonne and yvonne admitted everything and she's a terrible person and mick is actually a cool guy and that's like just 
for full disclosure reasons, like, yes, I did kiss Sandra one time and it was super weird because she wasn't you and I love you. And, and Nancy's like, girl, I know you do. I know you do. And so Ned's like, we need to just like find more time to spend together more often and just please don't take any more dangerous cases. And Nancy's like, yeah, as she's crossing her fingers behind her boyfriend's back, because that's how you know they have a good, stable relationship. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. The thing that I find most interesting about this one, honestly, when I was thinking back on it, is you have a book that is... The villain is a person who basically has an MFA, like somebody who is a writer. And you have a ghostwriter who's writing a writer who is basically like pretty fucking evil honestly like this is awful material gain she just she just wants some money so she can just stay home and write some books y'all like she she's not she's not bad she's just drawn that way um but she's very much decided that she's better than everybody which again like you're calling nancy in the the teen detective because you don't think you can fool the cops like there's not a lot of benefit to calling nancy in if you know that you're the person behind everything other than you saying to yourself well she's too dumb to figure this out like that's legit the only reason you do this and this does happen in a few other cases where the person who calls nancy in calls her in knowing that they're the person who's doing whatever it is that she's investigating with the hopes that she'll just like I guess be a distraction or not be able to figure it out in time or whatever or you know if something bad happens to her it's it's also kind of a due diligence thing like if I call Nancy and then I've clearly done something about this problem even if it's not the thing that I should be doing because again if somebody's sending you fucking death threats like that's seems like a thing that the cops should do something about and Yvonne probably doesn't want the cops actually poking around too much there's no there's no indication that she's actually like stealing money from them or anything like that. But it's just like, I just needed to bankroll my mystery writing. And why are you getting in the way of that? Like, Oh my God. And yeah, like the sad thing is there is no like Nancy taking down the villain, like tackling her to the ground and and putting her in handcuffs and be like, yes, I got you. Like, no, they just apprehend her. I don't even remember the circumstances under which they apprehend her, to be quite honest with you. But anyway, um, so yeah, that is Smile and Say Murder. Um, Nancy has made a friend. Um, I'm not sure if Mick Swanson ever pops up again. There's, it's weird. Like in the next book, Nancy is going to go visit an old friend in Fort Lauderdale and Ned gets a mention at the very beginning of the book and he gets like zero mentions else. But I really want to do the first 10 books of the series for a few reasons. I really want to do the next book, which is Hit and Run Holiday, as you do, um, because it deals with human trafficking. And I think that's actually pretty fascinating. Um, So I'm going to do book five. And then probably book five is going to be the last one of this season before season three, which is I'm going to go back to the mystery stories and and poke around in there some more. Um, So, yeah. The interesting thing about the domestic sphere thing, honestly, like Ned is far more focused on their relationship than Nancy is. Um, Ned wants them to be together, to spend time together, to have time that's not mystery related. So he's very much like the 
the wife who's like, this job is killing you. Like you, you need to find a, a safer thing to do. But with the added layer of Nancy is a woman. And so therefore she's very clearly acting in this male capacity within the world that she inhabits. And her father doesn't question it at all. Like there's no like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm being called to the police station again. Like clearly this happens like every other week with them. Like she should probably have a card laminated, even though again, she shouldn't be talking to the cops. But anyway, um, so yeah. So that smile and say murder. (laughs) So again, I mean, like, one thing that she says at the end of it that Nancy says to herself is, well, I mean, a fling is not the end of the world as long as it's, like, short and sweet and not too terrible, which she's like, it just kind of serves to show us that we really care about each other, which that's the default for these books a lot. Like, it doesn't often end with, and we're never going to talk about Ned. There are a few files where the ghostwriter just completely does not mention Ned whatsoever. Nancy gets entangled with the guy that she's seeing on the case. It ends with Nancy making out with him. Um, and then they just, in the next book, he's not mentioned whatsoever. Like, period, at all. And I hate that shit. But anyway, so this book, if we're talking about, is Ned present? Yes. Is Ned present a lot? Actually, Yes. Is it good in terms of their relationship? I would say no, other than that last chapter. That last chapter was doing a lot of good shit. So, there's that. But, I wouldn't write a story set in it. Because, again, I mean, it would be fabulous, though, to to write the, oh, I didn't realize that I might be pregnant with your love child. Like, that would be a really fascinating way to rewrite this one. Like for her to be concerned about the fact that she's pregnant and what she's going to do about it. And will Ned be okay with it? And blah, blah. Like, yeah, but this is the file. So this is not the way that we would have gone on that. All right. So tune in next week for hit and run holiday, which is set in Fort Lauderdale. So we're going to be spring breaking it up. So stay sleuthy, my friends.